have a song that we want to... 362. 362. Before we, I know we sang, but can I borrow one of your hymnals there? Take your hymnal and we're going to turn to page 362. I asked Crystal before, you know, sometimes before we hear the word of God, it's important. It's important that we be in the right frame of reference or frame of mind. I asked Crystal if she'd lead us through in this hymn. And if you don't mind, maybe you could stand and uh, she's going to lead us. And can we make this our, maybe just as we begin our, before instead of praying this morning, this is going to be our prayer for our message. So, Crystal. I surrender
before you slap me or before you leave the church, before you get angry, doesn't that kill the spirit? When we sing, I'll give what's left over to you. I'll give what's left over to you. I'll be the one who determines what's due you. I'll give what's left over to you. I'll surrender. The other verse was, I'll surrender what I want to. I'll surrender what I want to. Don't try and tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to. Want to do. Now, does it, when we sang that, couldn't you kind of sense like the spirit departing? Couldn't you kind of sense this is like really sacrilegious. What's Crystal didn't want to do it. I had to kind of coerce her. Didn't you kind of feel that? Kind of like, ooh. Like it didn't feel good. Kind of quenched the spirit. Kind of, you feel weird saying that. Yet every day, the spirit is quenched in people's lives because they don't sing it with their words, with their voices. They live it with their lives. And just like the spirit was quenched and you were like, something doesn't feel right about singing that song. Some of you, did anybody quit singing? (laughs) Some of you actually quit singing because you said, I can't, I can't sing that. Well, God, I can't do that. Yet every day, the spirit is quenched in people's lives. Because either in their head they think it, or with their actions, they live it. So Lord, I pray that you wouldn't be dishonored by our song. But more than that, Lord, I pray you wouldn't be dishonored by our lives. I pray that our lives would be surrendered to you because that's what feels right. When we're in the spirit, that's what feels right. We know it's right in our spirits. Our spirits bear witness with it. And so today, Lord, we pray that we would be able to surrender ourselves to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you, Crystal. Look to the person next to you and say, I can tell pastor has a good one for you. Here's my question for you. Does God have a right to ask or even demand things of you does God have a right to ask or demand of you and we're going to come back to that question I want you to kind of put that question in the back of your mind and we're going to come back to that we're going to answer it here towards the end of our message but I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Mark chapter 12 and we're going to look at verse 41 Mark chapter 12 verse 41 and it says this 41 through 44 Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, let me share with you just a little bit of 
background in this portion of scripture. The time was the feast of the Passover. And it was actually the last week of Jesus' life here upon this earth, right before he was to be crucified. Jesus has been teaching the people. He's been spending time with his disciples. And he's been making the religious leaders so angry that they're going to try to kill him. The action of the day is happening on the Temple Mount. And Jesus goes to where this crowd of pilgrims are. And then the particular place that he goes to is he goes to the place, he's walking through, and he stops at the place where people are giving their free will offerings. There was an area of the temple mound that's known as the Court of Women. And it probably held uh, over 15,000 people. So it's not like a small area. It's, a, it's an outer court and, and probably 15,000. So huge crowds of people could gather there. Along the colonnade of the court, there were 13 and they offertory things that were made. The Bible refers to them as trumpets. They were offertory receptacles that were made for, and they were shaped like a trumpet. They were made for receiving free will offerings. And each of these 13 different receptacles bore an inscription marking the objects of contribution, whether it was to make up for past neglect, to pay for certain sacrifices, to provide for incense, to provide for wood, or for other gifts. It would be the same thing as if today, if out in the hallway, we had a large foyer, and along the wall, you had 13 offering containers in the foyer, and and each of them had something inscribed on them. Youth ministry, missions, children's ministry, young adults, benevolence fund, men's ministry. Some commentators say these containers had brass horns, which led to strong boxes at their base. And when the money was cast into these horns, it made the sound like a bell. Emptying one's pocket of small change would make a spectacular clatter. And everyone would look. So you understand what we have. We have this, like this horn-shaped opening made of brass that would go down into a strong box. And the money would fall in there and go down, you know, kind of... Your big area for the money to be dropped in, it would go down. Now, the thing is, is when people threw their money in there, it made a loud noise, and it attracted people's attention. Jesus and his disciples were walking through, and he sits down. He chooses this place. Of all the places to sit, he chooses this place to sit down, and he watches what unfolds. Now, there are tens of thousands of people in Jerusalem. It's swollen. The city is swollen. It's packed. And there were lots of people who would just walk through and they would give their offerings. And Jesus stays there for a while. It says that the many of the wealthy came and they threw in large amounts. They threw it in. And obviously when they threw it in, it would make an even louder clatter. When he did so, this loud rumbling announced to everyone their generosity. Now, we don't know how long Jesus sat there, but we do know this. We know that he watched closely what people gave. He looked closely enough to be able to say exactly what people gave. And there were huge crowds of people giving that day, but one person stood out to him. It was a poor widow, and she gave two small coins. Some commentators say that this was the smallest amount that one was able to give. 
been, been equal to the wages of less than 10 minutes for an unskilled farmhand. When she put it in, there was not a lot of clowder. Everyone did not turn their head, and everyone was not amazed at her generosity. But Jesus was. What was it about her gift that got his attention? Well, it says clearly in the scripture, Jesus was amazed, was wondering about her gift because she gave all she had. So in God's eyes, she gave the most. It's interesting. In God's view, the masses, they gave their small change. Although some of them gave a lot of small change. God evaluates our contributions to his kingdom's causes in proportion to what we can do, according to his evaluation. This woman, who gave very little in value, gave all proportionately. This widow gave something that cost her. These two widows' mites were something that cost her. It didn't come easy to her. And to others, it didn't seem like much. To others, it didn't seem like much value. Compared to the very wealthy who would bring in large sums of money, it didn't seem like much. But her gift was something of great cost to her. And so because of that, it was something of great honor to God. There were many people who gave that day. But their giving didn't cost them. I say that again. There were many people who gave that day. But their giving didn't really cost them. Well, they may have given much larger sums than she. It was not a sacrifice because it didn't cost them. They had plenty left over. There was an abundance that they had. Now, I want you to think about this. The scripture talks about David. And David was someone who refused to give God something that didn't cost him. David refused to give God something that cost him nothing. And perhaps that's one of the reasons that God blessed him so greatly. Do you remember the story? David has two, there's two that that I can think of off the top of my head. There's two major sins in David's life. The first one is Bathsheba, the Bathsheba incident, okay? We all remember that. He lied, he deceived, he murdered, it was a cover-up. There would be like a a 48-hours investigation on it. It would be on all the news channels would be running it. It would be on court TV today if it was going on. So there's that. There's another incident in David's life. Do Do you remember the other big thing that David messed up on? He numbered the people. Yep, remember that? David numbered the people. After David numbered the people, he realized what he had done, and God allowed David to choose what the consequences would be for his sin. He was able to choose a discipline. And David chose to fall into the hands of the Lord. And so for three days, a plague came upon the people, and I believe it was like 70,000 people died during that time. In the midst of that is where we pick up 2 Samuel chapter 24 verse 18 in the midst of that God speaks through David in verse 18 it says on that day 
Gad went to David and said, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aronah the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Aaron looked and saw the king and his officials coming towards him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Aaron said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aaron said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and here are the threshing sledges, and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Aaron gives all this to the king. Aaron also said to him, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Aaron, No, I insist on paying you for it. And I want you to underline this in your Bible. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David says, I won't give to God something that doesn't cost me. I won't give to God something that has no value to me. I won't give to God something that is not of worth to me. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. And David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. There's a couple of things. This is extra. Honestly, this is extra. When David honored the Lord and he said, God, I'm not going to give you something that doesn't cost me. When he honored the Lord and offered his sacrifice, what happens? God hears his prayers and he stops the plague. Okay? So there's some connection there with David honoring God and reverencing God and God hearing his prayers and answering and ministering to people. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times when we read these portions of scripture, we don't always get it. What God told David to do was God told David to go up on the hill from his house. And there was a threshing floor. A lot of times we think that he went 30 miles away. David's house is here. This is the city of David. Aaron's threshing floor is just up the hill from him. It's within sight. It's not far away. It's his neighbor's field that God tells David to go to. Did you know that? Here's where David's house is. Aaron's threshing floor is just up on the hill, up on the top. The threshing floor would have been in a higher place so the wind could blow there and clear it off. And so the, the threshing floor is on top of the hill here. Okay, it would be like God saying, I want you to go over to your neighbor's, the neighbor's property. Or years ago, whenever there was a little hump back here where Good's warehouse is, it would have been like the Lord saying to us, okay, go over to the property that's Good's store. It wasn't far away. It was right there. And build an altar there because it's a high place. When he approaches the man who owns the property, Arana, about doing this on his land, Aaron offers the land to King David, his oxen for the sacrifice, and he offers his equipment for the wood to be burned. What would many people do? <laughs> oh, praise God. The Lord provides. I get to keep my stuff. 
Many people would have said, cool, you want to give it. Well, God bless you. Lord bless you. I'll just take that. And here, God, I'm going to give this to you. Many people would have thought that that was a blessing. But David had a reverence for God that would not allow him to do that. His respect for God, his honor for God, his esteem for God said, there's just something not right about this. God told me to offer a sacrifice to him. And it's not fair for me to take someone else's sacrifice and offer it as if it's mine. And now David was a powerful man. You know, sometimes there's times when you're in positions. You know, maybe it's your job or or maybe it's a position that you hold in the community. Or maybe it's some kind of favor that comes upon you. And and because of that, there's special favors that come your way. And David was in that position. He was in a position where there were times that people would do things for him. And we got to be careful whenever you're in that favored position that you don't take advantage of that. We need to be very careful in how we steward those gifts that God gives. But David, he refused and he said he wouldn't offer a sacrifice that cost him nothing. David purchased the property. He built an altar there. And the plague was stopped. But that's not the end of the story for that piece of land. See, there's something very significant about that piece of land that David bought. Does anyone know what that piece of land was? Anyone have an idea where that piece of land might have been? That's the exact place where the temple was built. thousand years later, that's where this widow woman comes and offers her sacrifice, her offering to God. She was giving God something that cost her something. David got the purchase of a lifetime. Like he could have just went ahead and said, oh, okay, well, thank you. You see, when David honors God, God honors David and even his descendants. 50 shekels of silver, David purchased the deal of a millennium. David didn't know it, but that land was to be the future site of the temple in Jerusalem. God chose, listen to this, God chose David's descendants. David was a part of this, but God said, I'm going to choose, God chose his son Solomon, and he put his spirit upon him, and Solomon would have the honor to build the temple for the glory of the Lord to dwell in. On that very same piece of land, That very same piece of land, because David honored the Lord, David refused to give God something that didn't cost him anything. I want you to see, God blessed him back, and not, you know, here's the thing. It's not just God blessing you, but how about when God blesses your descendants? I mean, it's nice, I'm telling you, it's nice when God blesses you, but what about when God blesses your children? And what about when God blesses your grandchildren? And what about when you know that the favor of God is going to rest upon your great-grandchildren and for generations to come because you choose to honor God? And what we see even throughout recent history like the... 
Wesley's, that godly mom and dad who honored the Lord, and the blessings that have flowed through their children and grandchildren, the way that God has used their children and grandchildren throughout the years. You see, when you and I honor the Lord, it's not just God blessing us. The favor of God came upon David's son Solomon, and Solomon had the privilege to build the temple where the glory of the Lord would dwell. He had the privilege of being there the day it was dedicated. And when it was dedicated, the glory of the Lord came and descended upon that place. The priest could not minister because the glory of the Lord filled the house. Once again, it was that same piece of land. That same location. The same location, a thousand years later, that here comes this widow woman... And while others are throwing in their large amounts, she gives something that cost her. Jesus was drawn and captivated by her gift. Now back to our question. Does God have a right to ask or even demand of you? At some point along the way, you need to answer, you need to answer that question. Does God have a right to ask or even demand of you? Well, I don't want to go and do it, but I'm telling you to. But I don't want to. Let's sing our song again. I'll surrender what I want to. I'll surrender what I want to. Don't try to tell me what to do. I'll surrender what I want to. I'll give what's left over to you. Left over to you. I'll give what's left over. Left over to you. I'll be the one who determines what's due you. I'll give what's left over to you. How's that sound? Does it sound right in our spirits? I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Try it one more time. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Which one feels right? I'll give what's left over to you. It doesn't feel right. There's something about it that, that last one we just sang... There's like a peace that comes when I sing it. There's something that says, that's right. That's it. That's where my peace comes. That's where my confidence, that's where my joy comes. It's, it just feels, it's a fit. It's a fit for my spirit. Jesus asked a lot of people. There was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus. And let me just read you what he said. In Mark chapter 10, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and had love in his heart towards him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This is the thing I want you to see. He went away sad because he wasn't willing to sacrifice what was required. He wasn't willing to surrender what Jesus asked of him. And I'll just be honest with you, there's times that in human realms, it's not fair. There'll be things that God asks of you that he doesn't ask of somebody else. There'll be things that he asks you to go through and he asks you to do that you want to be like, well, come on, God, it's not fair. How come you just get away with it? Why can't I? If you're going to follow Jesus, there will be times that he will ask things of you that seem impossible. You got to forgive him. Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they did to me and you don't know what they'll do in the future. I'm not going to forgive him. Well, it's you and God. You and him work that out. But he's going to say, you got to forgive him. I don't want to forgive him. I want to hold on to it. You got to keep doing what's right. Doesn't matter what other people do. Don't matter how you feel. Don't matter if you want to. It's not fair. Everyone else gets to be a slacker. Why can't I be a slacker? Because I didn't call you to be a slacker. You got to remain faithful. Everyone else isn't being faithful. Why can't I be unfaithful like them? And they seem to be okay with it. Friends, there are times that God is going to ask of you things that seem impossible. Completely impossible. Seems unfair. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't tell everybody to go sell everything and come and follow him and give it to the poor. There was a lot of people who were very wealthy, and Jesus never asked him to do that. But to this man, he did. And God's going to ask of you things that he doesn't ask of others. And he's going to lead you. You're not out of the will. He will lead you through desert places in the center of God's will. He will lead you through trying times while you're in the very center of God's will. He'll lead you through times of of perplexity and confusion. And he's going to ask you, just trust me, but I can't see. I can't see the outcome. I can't see why. I don't have the feelings. I don't have the emotions. I don't have the strength. And he's going to tell you, just keep going. That doesn't make sense. For this young ruler, what Jesus asked of him, he said, what do I got to do to have eternal life? And Jesus tells him, to man, I've done all these. And Jesus says, there's just one other thing. Sell it all. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And he's like, no. And the Bible says that he went away sad. This is what I want you to notice. Jesus did not go after him. And the Bible says that he loved him. 
Mark clearly said Jesus loved him. He looked on him and he loved him. Specifically, he loved him. But he doesn't go after him. He didn't lower the requirements for him. Nor did he try to bargain with him. Well, listen, you know if you saw it now, I'm going to give you back more later. Okay? He didn't go tell him that. He didn't say, I'll pay you back in a few weeks. He didn't say, well, you know, just sell part of what you have. He said, sell it all. As much as Jesus loved him, he allowed him to make his choice and still loved him. And the same thing today, Jesus allows you and I to make our choices. We're about to embark as a church on a journey of faith. And I'm asking for your help. Over the next three years, we're endeavoring to raise a little over $2 million to build a new ministry center. And in the midst of that, there's going to be people who God asks you to do things that he doesn't ask of others. There's going to be, there's going to be challenges. And I just don't want to ask you, as we plan this, can I ask you, don't give God something. It's a biblical principle. Don't give God something that costs you nothing. Don't offer to God, well, hey, pastor, my company said they'll do this. Well, that's nice, and that's great. But what does God say to you? And what does God say to me? God says to us, from the, the scripture that we found here, is that whenever David honored God, God had a way of honoring David. But that wasn't his reason for doing that. The reason why David did that is because he had this reverence and this awe for God. As we look ahead to the future, I want to share with you how each of you can help us. How can we do that, Pastor? This is a big responsibility. And this is kind of one of those places, like, this is kind of like when we sing the song. You know how we, like, we were singing, I surrender all, it's feeling all good. And then we say, well, here's how you can help us. Then sometimes you like, kind of feel it. You're kind of like, Pastor, I was really liking that message. I was thinking it was really pretty good. And then you say, here's how you can help us. Well, let me remind you of this. And I know I keep saying this. This ministry center doesn't have my name on it. The day that I'm done, I don't pack it in a box and take it with me. We don't sell it. I don't get dividends from it. I don't pass it on to my kids. The day that I'm done, when I say I'm done and walk away, this ministry place stays here for our community. This is for the kingdom of God, and this is for New Holland and the surrounding areas. This is for your children and my children. Pastor, how can we, well, how can we be a, a part and help? The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to pray for God's wisdom and for our church and its leadership during this endeavor. Whenever a church goes about doing something like this, you need to cover, listen to me, you need to cover your pastor, your staff, your deacons, the leaders. You need to cover them in prayer because this is a time when the enemy is going to send all kinds of attacks against them. This is a time whenever the enemy is going to send spiritual attacks and he would love to bring moral failures. He would love to bring divisions. He would love to cause problems in families and homes so that he can stop the work. 
And so I'm going to ask you from the very beginning that you would pray regularly, consistently for me and my family and for Pastor Joe and his family and for the board and all of those who are on the committees and just asking that God's will be done in our lives and his protection and wisdom. The second thing we're going to ask of you, does I surrender all? For those of you who faithfully support the church with your whole tithe, will you please continue to do so? I know that there's going to be trials and difficulties that come your way. And, and can I ask you, just from the thing, thank you for your faithfulness to the work of the ministry. And I just pray that, you know, that God will strengthen you and that, that he'll provide and meet your needs. And so, you know, we ask that you just continue to be faithful. For those who do not, you're not able to. For some reason or another, you've not been able to do that. Or those who bring only a portion. Can I ask you to, of your tithe, can you ask you today to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me seed? I want to honor you in that way. And can I ask you to support the church with your whole tithe? You know, a lot of times people, they want to send their tithe like the SP. Well, you know, pastor, I believe in tithing, but I just don't believe it goes to the local church. I, you know, I like to help the SPCA and... You know, my nephew, he was out partying and he wrecked his car. And I just kind of feel like we should get him another car. He really needs it. Um, you know, this is his fourth car. And, you know, we just, we, we just love our nephew. And we just feel like that's the work of the Lord. And friends, the SPCA, that's a nice thing. The boys club and the girls club and the blind association. Lovely. Those are lovely things. According to scripture, that's not where your tithe goes. According to scripture, you're to bring the whole tithe into God's storehouse. And so we would ask that for those of you that, that you'd be faithful in that. And if you're not doing that, you know, next month, that's one of the challenges, our spiritual growth challenges, we're going to do this. We're going to ask people for 40 days to make a commitment that for whatever comes into my house, Lord, that as soon as it comes into my house, I'm going to take off that 10% and I'm going to give it to you. And we're going to see this. We're going to try it for 40 days and we're going to see if God, when you're done, if you don't have more than what you had before. If you're not in a better place financially before, I'll tell you what, do that. And if you do it and you make that commitment and you truly give your 10%, everything that comes in, and if you aren't in the better place than what you were, then we'll write you a check for your money back. We'll give it back to you. 40 days, all right? Some of you are like, well, hey, I'm, I, I had a hard time last week. How about for the last six years? This is for this 40 days. Make that commitment. Say, God, I'm going to test you in this. Because the word says, test me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there's not room enough for you to contain. God's asking us to trust him. And so we'd ask you that over the next 40 days, we'll start it next month, that's our spiritual growth challenge, that you make that commitment. Anything that comes into your house, if you get, you know, someone gives you 10 bucks, Take that extra dollar off and say, God, you know, because I want to be careful to obey all that God commands me. You get an extra 10 bucks, you take your dollar off and you say, I'm going to give that to the work of the Lord. I'm going to honor God with that and see what God does. Our fourth thing, the fourth thing that I'm going to ask you is to refuse to give to God something that costs you nothing. Just refuse. I feel odd asking you. Because it's like, wow, thank you. We really appreciate whatever you're able to do. But as your pastor, if I can be your pastor today, let me be your spiritual shepherd and guide you like I'm supposed to. If I'm being your spiritual shepherd and guiding you like I'm supposed to and not a politician or not someone who's trying to get your support, as your spiritual shepherd, then this is what I'll say to you. 
Give to God something that costs you. Give to God something. Don't give him something that's not of value to you. Don't give him a sacrifice or an offering that costs you nothing. Because when we do that, what that says is, that says something about my regard for God. And when I give him something that costs me something, here's the thing, it causes my heart. Some people want a heart more for God. When you give to God something that costs you something, it causes your heart to go with that gift. It causes your heart to follow that gift, and you fall more in love with God. It's crazy, but it's true. And so we're going to ask you of that. As you pray, I believe that what God will put upon your hearts is he's going to put upon your heart something that will require faith. Something that requires faith. It's not what you have. It's something that's going to require faith. It's something that's going to require sacrifice. And it's something that's going to require God's intervention. What do you mean? Well, God's need is to come through. This is not just, uh, I'll give him a five. I'll give him a two. The crazy thing is, is this. That's different for each of us. For the widow woman, there's some people, when you put in 75 cents in the offering, uh, you put the $3 in the offering, that's your gas money to get back and forth to work. I had someone recently told me, but God put upon their heart to give. They were being evicted. It's crazy. They were being evicted. God put upon their heart to give. And they had $43 and they had to make it. They're being evicted. They had $43. They had to get back and forth to work. That was to be their gas money. And uh, they gave 20, what, 43. They gave $23 of it in an offering. And that very day, God provided $700 for them within hours. God provided $700 for them to be able to pay their rent. And it was a miracle. And the person's not really someone who's walks all, I shouldn't say they don't. I don't know that they're, they're not like necessarily a real mature believer who've been following God for 30 years. But their, their eyes, they, they told me about it and their eyes were like, I gave $23 and God provided this. If that was the case, I'll give everybody $23 if I get 700 back. I'm not saying it happens every time. But God's asking people to be obedient. So I was just saying, God requires God's intervention. It requires sacrifice. It requires faith. Listen to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to close with this. This is from the Good News Bible, that version. And it says, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to give you more than you need, so that you'll always have all you need for yourselves, and more than enough for every good cause. As the scripture says, he gives generously to the needy. His, forgive, his kindness lasts forever. And God who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat will supply you with all the seeds you need and will make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. He'll always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that many will thank God for your gifts which they receive from us. For this service you perform will not only meet the needs of God's people, but also produce an outpouring of gratitude towards God. Which of those songs sounded right to you? The first one. The, first one, the way she did it the first time. Yeah. As we close, we're going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to take this home, lay it under your pillow, put it somewhere where you'll see it. And for, over the next week, 
just begin to pray and ask God to give you a vision for the lives that are going to be changed, for the people who are going to be saved, for the families who are going to come to know Jesus through this. And then just simply ask God, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from me? What can I do? And can I ask you this? Don't offer God something that costs you nothing. Don't give him something that doesn't cost you anything. And see, here's the thing. And I keep saying this. Landon started his thing. He wanted to do a thousand. The little dude's like 700 bucks already. And we just like, we're just announcing it. Our, our, his three-year goal was a thousand. And he's already at 700. I just wonder what, the, what would happen if this, if not for a selfish reason, not so somebody else knows, but because of your love for the Lord, if you would simply say, God, what is it that you want me to dream that I could do? I'm not saying you have it. I'm not saying it's possible for you. God, what would you want to do through me? How can I be a part? And write down your dream. Set it before God. Tell your spouse, this is my dream. You don't have to tell anybody else necessarily. Tell your spouse, this is my dream. This is what I'm going to believe God for. And you know what? When you make that commitment, I believe this. I believe that God, I'm telling you, Vic, there's going to be people who God's going to bless them. They're going to be a blessing. I believe we're going to hear testimonies that's going to amaze people of what God has done. And once again, not for a selfish motive, not to be recognized, not so everybody oohs and ahs. But because why did that lady give? Why did that widow give whenever she, when she didn't have enough? That was all she had. Because she loved the Lord. And God, I, I want to honor you. And so as we look to our future, I'm going to ask that you would, you would simply pray. And that you would say, God, I want to give you something that costs me something. Father, I thank you today for our time together. And I pray that you would guide our thoughts today. I pray that as we look ahead to the future, I pray like the widow woman, I pray that our giving, our generosity would be something that catches your attention. Maybe not because of the size of our gifts. Maybe our gifts won't make all the clattering noise, but it will honor you and it'll meet the need and it'll be something that can never be taken away from us as we've stored up treasures in heaven. So God, I pray you'd bless and multiply. And I pray that as we receive your word today, I pray you'd find a good place in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.